नमस्ते एवरीवन वेलकम टू द चारबक पॉडकास्ट दिस इज योर होस्ट कुशल मेहरा ऑल राइट टुडेस पॉडकास्ट इज टाइटल्ड हिस्ट्री एंड इट्स ठेकेदार सो आई विल जस्ट गिव यू अ ब्रीफ बैकग्राउंड अबाउट व्हाई आई डिसाइडेड टू टॉक अबाउट दिस सो आवर गेस्ट टुडे एज यू गाइस कैन सी ऑन द स्क्रीन इज विक्रम संपत नाउ सिंस द लास्ट फ्यू वीक्स विक्रम्स बीन ऑल ओवर माय सोशल मीडिया टाइमलाइन एंड एंड यू नो आई सी वन वन थ्रेड कमिंग ओह विक्रम्स वर्क इज टॉकिंग अबाउट दिस then i see by the time i'm done understanding thread number 1 and go into thread number 2 there's thread number 3 and then i was like you know what this is too much i need to call vikram so i called vikram up and and i told vikram what's happening uh, i need to understand all these things i'm just you know we just covered uh, vikram's second volume on savarkar and and vikram was kind enough and say you know and vikram said okay तुम्हें जो भी प्रश्न पूछने काम करते हैं पॉडकास्ट पे बात कर ले एंड यू कैन आस्क मी वट यू वांट टू स्पेसिफिक पॉइंटेड क्वेश्चंस सो विक्रम थैंक्स फॉर कमिंग थैंक यू कुशल ऑलवेज अ प्लेजर टॉकिंग टू यू ऑलराइट विक्रम सो टुडेस पॉडकास्ट जस्ट फॉर द बेनिफिट ऑफ एवरीवन वी हैव पर्पसली you know structured it in two halves the first half is and once again kudos to vikram because when i told him ki yaar there are these accusations being hurled at you and there are these questions leveled about your work vikram did not flinch for a second he said sare question puchna main saro ke answer dunga which is you know very rare nowadays when it comes to scholars scholars always like to bold googlies themselves and not and you know only like underarm bowling when it comes to their own batting chance so vikram is a complete opposite vikram says i want all the googlies and it's okay so vikram i'm going to start with a very specific claim or allegation that was made against you uh, we don't need to take the name but this was something to do about an article you wrote in the print right mm-hmm. if i remember correctly yes in 2019 where you know you talk about a radio broadcast of netaji from 1945 uh, which you had taken uh, from the work of keer and later on so in your own book in 2021 uh, you you actually go against it and you say you made a, a false claim now first of all vikram <laughs> i have to say this i find it so funny that vikram how can somebody go take your claim and then your own work again and say yes i was wrong there and say gotcha how does it feel <laughs> <laughs> now, what do i say kushal uh, i think you <laughs> so that article was written in may 2019 i think even before my first volume had come come out and history is not something that is fossilized it's a work in progress uh, you know research keeps happening and new findings come you change your mind if you have already fossilized your mind uh, then that means uh, you know uh, there is nothing to to research about so at that time my primary i was still reading the uh, you know my first volume ended at 1924 print had asked me an article for some specific issue i think around savarkar's legacy or something the second half of his life which was 1924 to the end in which this whole his association with uh, indian national army and ina and all that comes around uh, i was still in the process of discovering uh, process of doing my research but at that time the one major book that anybody till mine came uh, you know would always fall back on uh, at least in english a biography of savarkar was dhananjay keer so dhananjay keer made this uh, uh, statement where you know i and i quote him um, that bose netaji subhash chandra bose in an address 
um, on 25th of June 1944 is supposed to have said that when due to misguided political whims and lack of vision, almost all the leaders of the Congress party are decreeing all the soldiers in the Indian army as mercenaries, it is heartening to know that Veer Savarkar is fearlessly exhorting the youth of India to enlist in the armed forces. These enlisted youth themselves provide us with the trained men from which we draw the soldiers of our Indian National Army, unquote. So this is from Keir's book. Uh, which I wrote in the print. But yeah, it was a little odd because this is not Netaji's style of speaking or whatever. So I wanted to get into a little more detail about it. Um, and uh, I kept asking several people, uh, you know, who've already done work on Netaji, Anuj Dhar and Chandra Chud Ghosh and also Professor Kapil Kumar, who uh, has been working on uh, this thing. And also there is the Testament of uh, Subhash Bose, which was published in 1946. And it talks as a complete and authentic record of Netaji's broadcast speeches, press statements, etc. So uh, I, these things came to my notice while I was doing research on that section of his life. And to my, as my suspicion had held, uh, there was, this particular broadcast was curiously absent and nobody really could point out to. So it was Either the, that broadcast was uh, deleted or it was not even there. And also the fact, you know, Netaji always, you know, in his earlier broadcasts, he always used to call Mr. Jinha, Mr. Savarkar. So whereas in this broadcast, he says Veer Savarkar. So that itself made me a little suspicious that probably Keir was making this whole thing up. Uh, so that's okay. why by the time in 2021, the final work of a person is what uh, exemplifies the as of today, what my views on this subject are, uh, you know, the very fact that I'm amenable to facts and documents, which will change my viewpoint, uh, shows that I'm not fossilized. So in my book, I wrote, write that, uh, you know, nowhere does this address, I actually flag this off as a red flag, saying nowhere does this address or its text appear in the testament of Subhash Bose published in 1946, as a complete and authentic record of Netaji's broadcast speeches, press statements, etc. But, however, uh, you know, even if one dismisses Keir's uh, citation or, you know, he finds its source itself as being suspect or that he had made it up, there were some recent findings that came about, particularly uh, with Professor Kapil Kumar, who was formerly with uh, the professor at IGNO. Uh, while going through the INA trials and, uh, you know, military intelligence reports, um, you know, uh, particularly from the National Archives of India, mm -hmm. uh, he came about certain uh, documents and he, he was kind of, because he's writing a book, I think on it. So I, I'm sure he did not want to share the entire collection of all of that, uh, what all he found. He said there are several such letters in the INA trials, but he was kind enough to give me one letter, which I could cite uh, with credits to him, which I did. Uh, you know, uh, and this is a letter in his collection dated 31st of May 1946. It's a soldier writing to the INA Relief Committee. And it is actually addressed to Sardar Patel, who was heading, who was a part of the trials, uh, INA trial um, that was going on. He says, sir, I'm very glad to inform that the commander in chief in India has now permitted to read any newspapers, blah, blah, blah. So, um, um, simultaneously, there are men who have INA at heart and worshipping Netaji as their god and waiting for the order, who joined the army by the advice of Barrister Savarkar in 1942. Still the same light is in the lamp awaiting such arrangements that a committee would visit all major units in India. This was signed by this man called K.N. Rao Sirai. 
and so professor kumar also you know said that several of these soldiers were from maharashtra which also seemingly you know who were inspired uh, to join the ina uh, through the call given by savarkar now another source which also spoke about some kind of uh, you know contemporary source which spoke about some kind of inspiration that probably uh, netaji drew from uh, savarkar was uh, nb khare who was actually at that time a congressman and much later he joined the hindu mahasabha when he got disgusted with the congress uh, post independence so he also wrote that you know in this enterprise subhash bose took his inspiration from savarkar's book on indian war of independence of 1857 in one of his speeches subhash bose has freely admitted to this uh, so of course one doesn't know which speech nb khare is referring to he also distributed copies of this book freely among all the army personnel he named one of his regiments as rani of jhansi regiment and he borrowed mm-hmm. the slogan chalo delhi from the indian soldiers in meerat who marched on delhi from there on the 10th of may 1857 and khare also writes according to his policy of militarization veer savarkar was carrying on propaganda in favor of recruitment the congressman called him an unpaid recruiting agent i was also a member of the provincial war committee and i was also ridiculed by the congress but it was surprising that the all india spinners association an ancillary organization of the congress supplied thousands of blankets uh, to the indian sepoys when this activity of the all india spinners association was also criticized as help to war efforts mahatma gandhi replied that it was not helping the war efforts but it was only carrying on trade and business so this reply of the mahatma was clever but unconvincing the congress policy of opposition to war efforts was also lukewarm and the british had recruited over 20 lakhs of indian sepoys during war time the great majority of whom consisted of hindus unquote so, so many new things came up to which that keer quote is suspect we don't know the source maybe it is true maybe it is not we will never know but the larger issue it's not the words of that quote did mm-hmm. savarkar provide tactical support by you know asking the uh, hindus to join the ina get trained in military uh, you know warfare and then defect join the british army get trained and then defect to the ina now that is corroborated mm-hmm. to other sources if keer is debunked there are other sources like this letter of this gentleman k n rao sirai and also uh, nb khare's uh, you know personal memoirs that he wrote at that time when he was a congressman mm-hmm. so based on that new evidence comes up old evidence goes but the idea remains the same now absolutely if you selectively take screenshots in 240 characters of twitter and keep doing uh the same thing every day 100 times someone amplifies that and keeps asking iska jawab do iska jawab do first of all you know uh i must say kushal that i'm i'm unsure if any work of history in the recent times has been put to this kind of scrutiny uh that too in social media i'm glad they're doing I it i I'm, i'm i'm very very glad to also provide the rebuttals but um and uh, secondly uh, while doing this you know the expectation is almost as if some loony somewhere will sit and do some tweet and all day i have no other work but just to keep sitting and twiddling my thumbs on twitter and giving answers and if even if there's a 4 5 year 4 5 hour gap between the accusation and the and a rebuttal uh, which i'm not answerable to anybody the book is there the work is there no other established author or historian of uh, any worth goes on social media and uh, uh, you know uh, defends every uh every word and sentence and who are the people who are making those accusations some journalists uh, who can't even who can't even 
create one title uh, on their portal without errors uh, so so i don't want to denigrate them so let them be what they are but what is their qualification then to uh, to uh, ask me questions if they are asking questions about my qualifications so so anyway be that as it may let let the manthan happen and all the <clears throat> you know wish come out only then the amrit also will come out uh but if you don't answer in 4 5 hours 6 hours are ye to bhag gaya and there was some very unfortunately you know a, a person who was heading a very senior position in the previous dispensation or so on made all kinds oh to bhag gaye ye ho gaye ghabra gaye i mean kahan bhagenge yaar main to bhagane ke liye aaya hu main bhagne wala to thode thode hu to it's not something that i'm going to bhago anyway very much here so i i think the amount of scrutiny that i've subjected myself to or, and my works to the number of platforms i have appeared on uh, across the spectrum it's not as if it's only some friendly platforms that i have uh, you know subjected myself to uh, from the far right to the far left to everything in between i have appeared on everything and uh, if if your uh, scholars are unable to defend their point of view in front of me on those platforms Uh, you can't do subterfuge uh, attacks by resorting to social media yep true i agree with you and it's it's actually hilarious um so now i want to talk about another issue because you wrote a thread on this this is the whole raja ji episode uh-huh. where you know you if i remember correctly this was was it mr abhishek bharadwaj or something who accused you uh, no. or of something Uh, of something I, i'm sorry i'm just being uh, i want to ask you all see look my job is to ask you please. tough questions man so so please please, please, uh, please go ahead yeah so so this was another one uh, obviously you wrote a thread about this on twitter also but you know i know um, a lot of my viewers and listeners are not on twitter so could you explain what the accusation was and then what what the explanation is yeah sure so this constant uh, you know the 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 belief is that there is this book called the life of barrister savarkar which came out in 1926 it was published uh, under a pseudonym called chitragupta um, and the authorship of that has been contested for a very long time because you know in the british times when you were writing about uh, you know underground revolutionary movement and all of that um, and in the fear of proscription that it's very difficult to kind of ascertain authorship of these uh, documents because you know the british will get to know they'll be uh, jailed or whatever and uh, this was written in 1926 in the pseudonym it was published strangely by this publication called bg paul uh, publications in madras and at that time savarkar was in ratnagiri he was not even allowed to get out of that district uh, confined only there in maharashtra and to go anywhere else he had to take the permission of the british so such a huge manuscript and every letter that went in and out of his house was put under surveillance i have uh, you know documented uh, those surveillance reports as to what was going on even the articles he was writing um, you know were all actually uh, under scrutiny um, by the intelligence department so in such a scenario an entire manuscript traveling all the way from ratnagiri to madras without the british getting to know about it is a little odd um, so so in such a scenario there there were many many uh, you know um, doubts as to who the author was the first uh, you know assertion was in 1927 where you know you had this um, uh, bombay chronicle july 1927 there was a publicity note which announced the release of this new book uh, it said 
the life the story of the life of this famous patriot written by a close friend and it is packed with thrilling details incidents of how as a leader of a revolutionist party he had led the movement in india and england how he was arrested and his dramatic escape at masai by jumping out through the porthole of the ship a book of enchanting interest and full of interesting lessons to our new india so this was bombay chronicle july 1927 so who was his close friend who could have been in in madras so the only person that came to mind was this man called vvs ayer who was his comrade in uh, london um mm-hmm. a very erudite man who had actually when savarkar had written his 1857 uh, book in london in marathi he was the one who translated that to english and got it published and once savarkar got caught and there was the madanlal dhingra execution and all of that most of the revolutionaries they they spread away uh, or went out of europe some went away to paris some went away to germany and other places like virendranath chattopadhyay and others whereas uh, this man ayer came back to india and he was constantly in between uh madras pondicherry and all these places subramanya bharati um, he got in touch with him and there was a lot of uh, work that was going on so so um he could probably have been the person was one uh, assumption because the book does not have too much uh, details about the early childhood of savarkar so it has it has a mm-hmm. lot of stress on his london days uh, and particularly uh, you know his uh, stay in paris and briefly he was in paris uh after dhingra's execution uh when he tried they tried he tried to run away then he got he felt very guilty for doing this when his compatriots were being hanged and all that and he comes back to london and he gets arrested so uh so that was one uh issue so nobody knew who this chitragupta it was a very uh, curious name chitragupta is the accountant of lord yama uh, so somebody who's supposed to keep an account of all our karmas are good and bad so probably that's why this name was also used now curiously in 1937 uh, and a reference to that came in this uh, compilation called the hindu mahasabha parva uh, there were four parvas that were written ratnagiri parva uh, hindu mahasabha parva akhand hindustan ladha parva and sangata parva so these parvas were not books they were actually compilations of press clippings speeches public uh, you know statements pronouncements of savarkar where all he went who all he met it was like a diary of uh, professional diary of all his engagements who uh, who gave him what uh, you know bouquets brickbats all of that mentioned by his uh, secretary bala rao savarkar now this he was not related to this man at all savarkar is a common surname in maharashtra they were not related yeah. this is secretary now this man compiled it and i found this that uh, on the 27th of june 1937 there was this marathi newspaper called lokmanya uh, in which when savarkar was released um, you know fr- from ratnagiri there was a lot of um, you know welcome uh, you know addresses and felicitations that were done by several congressmen because the congress wanted him to join uh, join them so by then if he had been such a stooge and uh, if the, you know a, a, a person who had uh, groveled and so on and so forth uh, i don't know why the congress mm-hmm. keen on having him amidst their fold as late as 1937 uh, so even subhash chandra bose so many people wrote gave out messages so and in that public felicitation this in fact the bombay provincial congress committee organized this felicitation they elicited uh, felicitation messages from those who could not come the leaders jawarlal nehru gave a, gave a message uh, there was subhash chandra bose who gave a message in which he in fact said i hope he joins the congress and strengthens the freedom movement and all of that 1937 mm-hmm. 
and uh, there was also the curious case of rajgopalachari who had written and which is which was there in the hindu mahasabha parva and so then he says in that and uh, what can i now add and i'm translating the this thing from marathi i have actually put the originals in marathi also in that twitter thread what can i now add to a biography of his that i had penned nearly 20 years ago because since then his intellectual prowess must have only deepened by his prolonged introspection during his extended internment so 20 years ago would roughly mean 1917 so that life of barrister savarkar ends around the time um, his um, stay in london london stay ends in 19, 1910 so 1917 1918 1919 maybe uh, raja ji wrote the book or we don't know uh, but then he he said this in that um, this one kya bolte hain message is given to this newspaper so that caused during that time and that uh, balarao savarkar wrote there that this caused more uh, angst among people saying oh ho oh, acha ye hai the author of that book or whatever so i actually went to the maharashtra state archives uh, the newspaper archives and other places and actually found cross verified that okay this was not a not something that balarao had just put up it was actually there and then i also saw keer and he had also made a reference to that so uh, there were two three sources which spoke about this newspaper dated 27 june which spoke about this but i am uh, still and and curiously in the 1980s um there was uh, several new editions of that book came and the veer savarkar um, rashtriya smarak that is there in bombay they published this and one of their editors in the preface so in in fact in my own preface i said that there is a allegation that savarkar himself wrote it in a pseudonym and so on but uh, so the the editor of that thing that new edition mentions this again with no certainty that it hmm. would be a year he says it can be a year vvs a year or given you know the beauty with which that paris uh, episode is mentioned it could be savarkar himself now unless of course the savarkar prakashan was you know um, uh, scoring a self goal <laughs> against themselves it's not as if someone some opponent wrote this it was their own person who made all kinds of services maybe in his innocence uh, not knowing that this will be used against his protagonist um only because and at that time you know when paris episode happened bvs ayer was there with him so there was an eyewitness also with him um so there was it's not a so this uh, this enigma of who this author is or uh, this thing it, it can never be solved depending on which political position you want to take you can keep uh, you know beating him with whichever side of the stick you want uh, if you hate him you will say it is he himself who wrote it if uh, you don't then you will use these quotes of raja ji and uh, also the advertisement which claims it was a friend who is probably vvsir which also that same preface of that uh, future edition brought out by the smarak uh, and prakashan itself talks about so in i have just quoted all of these and said so there are multiplicity of viewpoints nowhere have i said with any definity definitiveness neither can anybody that it was raja ji who wrote this book and so on um there is there was a by raja ji's own quote as found in these uh, newspaper archives there there is one view like that there is one view like this so the the, the scope of uh you know um different suspicions uh, is wide enough and we'll never know uh, you can keep saying what you want 
So this was what it is. Now they're also selectively taken, as if I have with any assertion, you know, said that it was Rajaji and so on, and then go and even later on, you know, when I made a, uh, a very very detailed rebuttal, selectively parts screenshots for court without and saying still the source is dubious. Now a journalist who's saying that a newspaper archive source is dubious. uh i'm not sure you know uh, what he thinks of then <laughs> uh because if a newspaper archive cannot be referred to then kya kar sakte hain then uh, you know what they write also probably they they don't believe it uh, for future generations to use it as a research material so and and then also you know we went and spoke to raja ji scholars we went and spoke to his grandsons who are rajmohan gandhi and gopal krishna gandhi who obviously i mean maybe nobody knew about this or even they know given they they have a political uh, opinion and a standpoint obviously they are not going to say yes our grandfather actually wrote a biography of uh, uh, savarkar uh, so so i don't know you can use all kinds of insinuations and make uh, allegations but this is what it is nowhere is it definitively written in my book anywhere that it was uh, the authorship is conclusive so then that's the sad part of a lot of uh, you know revolutionary material kushal we will probably be never be able to ascertain uh, you know collection in the british library in london um, while i was researching there was an entire set of uh, proscription uh, material which was proscribed by the revolutionary material which they would call seditious material proscribed by the british government poems and so on so there's a huge collection there including i saw and really uh, you know it gave me goose flesh to see the originals of uh, sir farosh ki tamanna ab hamare dil mein hai uh, attributed to ram prasad bismil there are other poems uh, who's this thing that the name is uh, you know ek desh bhakt or one uh, uh, nationalist or something like that you never know who the person is iska somehow we know even this is not mentioned there as bismil's uh, poem mm. i don't know how we know that it is bismil's poem but this is how it is it is with revolutionary uh, revolutionary material you will never be able to ascertain with certainty if one doesn't understand that and goes on and on and most curiously the thing is yeah journalists not wanting to uh, trust a newspaper archive to me is really really something quite odd and curious absolutely i i i find it actually weird because even when it comes to reporting and recording trends like i'll give you an example even when trends like violence or uh, global terrorism databases are maintained actually yeah. culling articles from international publications and newspapers are considered a solid database right yeah true true yeah it, it yeah. very much why are newspaper archives there uh, if they are not to be trusted so yeah it, it's kind of silly so two two more specific points uh, so please Bring bear with on. me so so there was this this specific thread that i came across where again this is pani handle called raj shekhar or something has said that you know your the it talks about some conversation between molala shaukat ali about the khilafat movement and veer savarkar and uh, the allegation on you and i'm reading it verbatim i have to because that's my job as a questioner person questioning you like the uh, the tweet says the whole chunk is based on savarkar's version there is no triangulation no cross verifications like say ali's accounts of that meeting i stopped reading the book here if i must i will just read savarkar directly yeah go ahead please be my guest and learn marathi and read it directly but that is another thing i mean a lot of reliance on savarkar's uh, you know writings 
Now, if you're writing about a protagonist and you don't actually fall back on his writings, like a biography, it's like asking a biographer of Gandhiji, uh, that why are you using collected works of Mahatma Gandhi as a source? Why are you using uh, Mahadev Desai? If Balarao Savarkar's uh, journals and articles cannot be used as source, um, then Mahadev Desai's articles can also not be used. And collected works of Mahatma Gandhi, he was writing his own story. So how, how are they reliable? Have we triangulated everything? And how can you triangulate every episode in history? Do we even understand that it is almost impossible? Now, you and I meet Kushal and uh, you kind of, we have an argument. You probably defeat me so badly in it. Um, and so you are very proud of it. You go and write your diary about it. And I am the defeated party. I am so embarrassed. I don't want to keep an account of it. Uh, so 100 years later, someone records Kushal versus Vikram slugfest and says, oh, Kushal blasted the thing out of Vikram and he had no arguments to place. Uh, now, I have not uh, recorded it for whatever reason. Maybe I didn't think it is uh, important enough or I felt too bad about it or I, I just I'm not the kind who maintains chronicles. Uh, so if it's a personal meeting between two people, which is recorded, how can you keep looking at multiplicity of uh, sources? It is just, just I, I have no idea what this uh, kind of uh, argument is, because then every uh, you know incident has to be corroborated by 10 people to actually prove its veracity, uh, which is impossible in any history writing. Yeah, I'm going to say something very controversial here. That there is no proof of Jesus either. <laughs> I'm just saying it straight up. By the way, that's a serious level of scholarship done in uh, some religious circles in anthropology where they say there's no proof of Jesus. And and one of the ways they say is, is that there, there is no contemporary writing about it. And then there is another school that says there is no. But anyways, so one more specific allegation on a very specific point was this debate I came across on TV. I, I was... Because you've been all over, man. Twitter, Vikram So you have you were part of a discussion or a debate which was hosted by Rajdeep Sardesai with Dr. Irfan Habib. Uh, this is not the Ayodhya wale Irfan Habib. This is the uh -huh. Dusre Irfan Habib. Just to clarify for everyone. Yeah, so in the end... <laughs> yeah, yeah. So poor guy. So I, I, that's why I clarified. So Udar, uh, I think one discussion left was left unfinished and I was really curious and I wanted to talk to you about that. There was this uh, thing where I, I, I don't remember the exact words of uh, Irfan Saab, but he said, I'm paraphrasing it. I haven't Bhagat Singh or Savarkar in conversation so so what is the status on that no i think uh, to be fair to professor habib he said in 40 years of his research uh, on a definitive biography on bhagat singh according to the anchor rajdeep sardesai that he has written uh, show me one sentence where uh, savarkar even supported bhagat singh after the uh, after his execution is what habib saab asked me now i was going to uh, explain that and obviously Rajdeep said there is no time and uh, the show had to be terminated but it was quite a, a preposterous claim and so it had to be countered and so in the next morning I 
whatever is it's already uh, documented in the book so forget uh, saying one line there was actually one entire poem that uh, savarkar wrote <laughs> in honor of uh, bhagat singh in marathi the translation of which goes this way ha bhagat singh ha you galloped on the gallows oh hi for us rajguru you ha veer kumar martyr in national warfare this ah of today will win us our tomorrow royal crown will come home wore you crown of death before that we will take arms in our hands the ones with you were killing the enemy who is a sinner go martyr we take oath with testimony the fight with arms is explosive we are remaining behind you we will fight and win freedom so this was the poem and it used to be sung by all the kids who uh, you know went around with black flags in protest not only in ratnagiri but all over maharashtra and savarkar himself it is said that uh, and he writes it in his uh, shraddhanand that as a protest i am um, putting a black flag atop the roof of my house for the uh, execution of these uh, brave hearts and four months later in the newspaper he was editing called shraddhanand he again wrote an article reminding people of bhagat singh and his associates and their brave martyrdom and uh, yd fadke who has written a book in marathi called shod savarkarancha he uh, you know uh, actually gives the complete article and parts of which i have again quoted now also the bonhomi between these two men uh, you know in 1926 uh, you know there was a article called matwal uh, vishwaprem world uh, love and universal love which this um, bhagat singh published twice in matwala Uh, once on 15th november 1926 and 22nd november 1926 where he spoke of savarkar's tender heart despite being a revolutionary he said this again translation i quote world lover is the hero whom we do not hesitate even a little to call a fierce insurgent staunch anarchist the same heroic savarkar coming in the wave of world love he used to stop walking on the grass thinking that the soft grass would be mowed under his feet and this was from this bhagat singh aur unke sathiyon ke sampurna dastavez uh, edited by satyam editions in lucknow in 2006 uh, version so um, obviously and in march 1926 bhagat singh also wrote about savarkar and madanlal dhingra and how that this was such a glorious uh, you know episode and how when nobody came to dhingra's support in london including you know his own family or congressmen like dadabai navroji and gokhale and gandhi and others denounced dhingra for what they called cowardice uh, it was only savarkar vvs iyer and others who stood up in that open hall in london and defended him about which bhagat singh writes in his uh, book and an article in savarkar's shraddhanand which was titled the real meaning of terror uh, atank as he would call it published was published in another uh, title by bhagat singh in his kirti in may 1928 and this was distributed as pamphlets uh, they named uh, they changed the title as armed but tyrannical so so there were so many such you know cross linkages it suffices to say to so show me one line which is so uh, this is there are so many lines and in his jail diary uh, of bhagat singh among other things he had six uh, no he had four i think uh, let me check once before someone says something on that six quotes six quotes from savarkar's hindu padpad shahi uh, book which were found and this is in the jail notebook of shahid bhagat singh unistar books 2016 and the fourth edition of savarkar's book on 1857 was also published by bhagat singh and during my research in the nehru memorial library you have the oral 
you know uh, archives or interview transcripts so there is this man called durga das khanna who was a congressman in 1976 he was interviewed that transcript is there where he says that in his youth when he was a revolutionary he wanted he joined the hsra and bhagat singh and sukhdev thapar they inter- interviewed him and they asked him have you read these two books one among several other books they asked him specifically if they have, he has read uh, 1857 wala book and also the life of barrister savarkar by chitragupta which is so much contested so bhagat singh was also asking people to read that same maligned book today uh, before admitting them among the crowd that do you have the idea of revolution in your mind so you know it's uh, they, they just can go on and on but, but this is the this is the thing so you know when you make grandiose statements and put four decades of your life and all that uh, to bedazzle somebody uh, i think it's very open as to you know the sources are there it's like what you wish to see and what you don't wish to see depending on how you want to reconstruct a narrative so uh, the fact that there was no connection between these two and and constantly savarkar was writing about not only bhagat singh and others also you know jatin das that young martyr who uh, you know uh, actually starved to death and because of that there were so many changes in prison laws uh, category a category b category c prisoners uh, started becoming till then everybody was treated so badly political prisoners but later on uh, his uh, starving unto death got this and everybody was supporting jatindas including gandhi and i mean sorry nehru and jinnah and everybody but gandhi had uh, kept a curious silence and i'm Uh, write that entire episode in my book to which even subhash chandra bose in the indian struggle he castigates gandhi saying how could he keep quiet and his silence was just so undecipherable uh, because he felt if he actually and this was gandhian technique of fasting to death and he actually had died fasting and so gandhi should have come out openly and supported a man who was following his technique of non violently making the british twist their arms and change prison laws uh, not by killing them but by doing this uh, but just because he was a revolutionary uh, gandhi was unwilling to lend any word of support or sympathy for this young man who was probably in his late teens or early 20s so to that also uh, savarkar wrote so many articles in the shraddhanand which i quote and not only he was not alone subhash chandra bose from him to savarkar to everybody was really questioning gandhi to come out and express his support so constantly if somebody is actually writing articles in support of revolutionaries revolutionary movements uh, and all of that then i don't know how uh, which was one of the reasons why each time savarkar's uh, you know pet um, case came up for a review for termination of his um, you know restriction period in captivity from 5 years extending to 13 years these were the uh, you know the proofs that came that he is in contact with all these dubious characters and so we cannot uh, take the risk of letting go, letting him go uh, and so he is not to be trusted so where is the stooge business i mean if he was a stooge the government would have uh, very well co-opted him made use of him because he was an educated man he was a lawyer he was trained in english law they would have probably co-opted him into the viceroy's council or something like that or even he would have become the premier of bombay presidency after 1937 so the very fact that they didn't suspect him uh, i mean they did, they did not uh, you know trust him and had suspicions about him all through that these were some of the reasons that these underground links 
constantly continued. Yeah. Now there was four specific points we've done dealt with that. Now let us look at the larger picture. I have one Something... more thing. I, sure, I, sure, I have... sure. Please. Because somebody, uh, I don't know this man, some Hindi writer or something. So he had some something that he wrote uh, again asking, and he has an army of uh, very vicious trolls. Is this the man whose screenshot I tweeted? Uh, the man who's an economist and a poet, and has also now suddenly become a historian. I shall not get into any names. So, <laughs> so uh, the, our first brush very briefly after which I decided that you know it's a waste to argue with such people because uh, you you can wake up someone who is sleeping but you're pretending to sleep then you know there's no point. So uh, he said um, you know there is there was this thing that uh, I think from the Hindi translation of the book was what the quotes were put saying Gandhi and Savarkar met only once. Uh, in 1909 in London or something. And uh, and then uh, in, in my book, I've mentioned that probably they met also twice actually in London in 1906. So the first accusation was that it is so wrong and false that Gandhi ever met, uh, um, uh, met Savarkar in 1906. But Collected Works of Mahatma Gandhi mentions that in October 1906, uh, Gandhi was actually at the India house at the same time uh, that Savarkar was also there. Savarkar had got got to uh, London in July 1906. Uh, Gandhi's visit to India house happens in October 1906. Curiously, the same around maybe the Dashara festival. Now, whether they met or not, nobody knows. But I have, I have mentioned that, you know, if uh, I, I first went back, you know, they give you doubts about your own writing. So I went back to my own uh, one and say, so this is what I've written. <laughs> this is what I've written. I'll see the English one. While no record is extant of an exclusive meeting or the experiences that Savarkar and Gandhi had at the latter's short stay at India House, Harindra Srivastava quotes an anecdote narrated to him by an eyewitness, Pandit Parmanandaji of Jhansi, who was a veteran freedom fighter. Uh, then that famous episode of they were, you know, he was cooking prawns and he asks him to eat it and Gandhi says no and then Savarkar castigates him saying you can't even eat with us and how can we fight? This is boiled fish and all of those. So this was an eyewitness thing that was uh, narrated by Harindra Srivastava. Now this great man actually, then, you know, actually um, so what he put out is Harindra Srivastava's biography in saying but Harindra Srivastava was not even born at that time, uh, is what was the allegation. Now, nowhere am I saying that it was Harindra Srivastava who was the eyewitness. He he interviewed this man called uh, Parmanand, Pandit Parmanand of Jhansi, a very famous revolutionary who was born in 1889 and who died in 1982 as recently. And this book that Harindra Srivastava wrote, uh, Five Stormy Years, uh, was published in 1983, that is after Parmanandji's death. So probably before his death, he had interviewed him as one of the surviving revolutionaries who were eyewitnesses of or who, who was living in uh, India House to know about the experiences. And Parmanandji, who was there in the kitchen, probably told him this. And Harindra Srivastava ref, uh, refers to that, which I refer to giving source citation to Harindra Srivastava. Now to say, but Haridra Srivastava was not born when that meeting happened, I, I just don't know. And then if you don't reply, 
जवाब तो दो जवाब तो दो जवाब तो दो एंड द होल आर्मी ऑफ यू नो निटविट्स गेट बिहाइंड यू देन इट्स अ लिटिल एंड आई थॉट ओके मे बी आई हैव रिटन समथिंग इन इंग्लिश एंड सिंस द हिंदी बुक इज नॉट रिटन बाय मी बट इट्स अ ट्रांसलेशन बाय मैन कॉल्ड संदीप जोशी आई एक्चुअली थॉट मे बी वहां पे कुछ गलती हो गया है सो आई एक्चुअली रीड दैट आल्सो and just see i mean it's the same thing what i wrote uh, read in english is in the hindi one also india house me gandhi ke alp pravas ke samay savarkar aur gandhi ke beech bhent ya anubhavon ka koi pramanik saksha uplabdh nahi hai parantu harindra shivastav ne ek ghatna ka aankhon dekha hal bayan kiya hai jiske sakshi jiske sakshi jhansi ke krantikari pandit parmanand ji the aur vinayak us samay khana bana rahe the ye the wo the all the same स्टोरी सो धेर ऑल्सो इट से हरिंद्र श्रीवास्तव श्रीवास्तव ने एक घटना का आंखों देखा हाल बताया था जो पंडित परमानंद जी और झांसी थे तो वट इज द पॉइंट ऑफ सेंडिंग मी अ स्क्रीन शॉट ऑफ हरिंद्र श्रीवास्तव डेट ऑफ बर्थ डेट ऑफ वट एवर एंड सेंग वो तो तब पैदा भी नहीं हुए थे एंड द सेम जेंटलमैन फॉर द लास्ट टू डेज हैज बीन और थ्री डेज हैज बीन कटलिंग अनुजधर क्वेश्चन saying uh, you know there's a cartoon in his book uh, which shows gandhi with 10 heads um, you know being uh, and each head he claims one is netaji one is ambedkar there's no none of the heads look like ambedkar there uh, and he claimed first that it was the rss publication later on changed the goal post and said it was uh, agrani uh, of 1946 1946 that subhash chandra bose according to congress people had died in the uh, yeah crash so why at tall woods savarkar and shama prasad mukherjee uh, you know uh, leave an arrow on someone who's already dead so but anujdhar who's done so much work on netaji um, i would take his word more uh, said that this is blatantly false can we please have the source uh, so the same set of people who for every word every comma want uh, citation source when they are asked जैसे अरे हर जमुरे को हम जवाब नहीं देते हम तो वी आर पीपल देखो ये तो है ये झूठ बोल रहा है ये गलत बोल रहा है और शो हिंदी मीडियम का सम Bhopal edition or some other I don't know which other this one or some other maybe it was there I was talking about myself a, a preface a prologue is an author's personal account of as to why he came into the journey right so I said mm. in my in my uh, growing up years I had very little exposure to this man through the textbook medium and that is why uh, it was only spoken about in family circles and I was intrigued by this person I wanted to uh, know a little more about it. now does that become such a big crime to actually <laughs> say that this is such a lie dekho ncert book mein to hai aaj ke book mein hai are baba i am talking about 1992 cbse english medium uh, book usme nahi tha and it is my personal kahani how can anybody uh, contest my experience my story 
uh, is something that I don't know. But then these are the kind of characters one deals with, unfortunately. See, see, Kamal, I mean, the prologue will be fact-checked. And sadly, Kushal, I mean, those who do so much of fact-checks, you know, just yesterday or day before, there was this huge article that was written by... Um, three historians so they, they need three historians to actually kind of uh, you know um, uh, debunk something so um, i think it was aditya mukherjee mrudula mukherjee and uh, sucheta mahajan all related to each other who wrote an article uh, in the wire um, saying several things usme bhi you know the selectivity i'll just give two examples um, sure so so um, they say, and I'm quoting him, to quote from one such petition for his release submitted personally to the British official Reginald Credoc when he visited the Andamans jail in 1913 offering loyalty to the British government. Uh, he says, Savarkar says, that the government in their manifold benevolence and mercy release, etc, etc, etc. So they, they talk about Reginald Credoc. But look at the selectivity, uh, you know, that is applied uh, there where they don't actually say that uh, Credoc himself, you know, uh, on what what was the report that Credoc wrote on board the SS Maharaja during his return from uh, the Andamans to India? He had he, Reginald Credoc was a home member uh, from the depart home department in Delhi, and because there was this talk that Savarkar and some other revolutionaries in Port Blair were doing bomb manufacture, so he was sent to actually ascertain, and there was constant. Uh, you know, protests, fast, etc., for the un, uh, inhuman treatment they were getting there in the jail. So to get to know their um, grievances, Credoc was sent from Delhi to come and meet them, and he met a host of them, uh, not just Savarkar. Um, it was a um, Barin Ghosh, Nand Gopal, Hrishikesh Kanjilal, Sudhir Kumar Sarkar. Um, several of them, this man met. And on his way back in the ship, he wrote the report uh, sitting on SS Maharaja saying what he saw there. And what does um, uh, uh, Credoc write? He says, one second. Uh, so first of all, um, he details the interviews he had with all the prisoners. He also dismisses all the articles that were there in the Bengali. There was a newspaper which okay. talked about all their uh, you know sufferings. And he says uh, these were all mistaken patriots and so on. And specifically on his conversation with Savarkar, he said it was evident to him that he, as in Savarkar, cannot be said to express any regret or repentance for whatever he did. But he had changed his views nonetheless and had mentioned that the hopeless condition of Indians in 1906-1907 was his excuse for entering upon conspiracy, the, the revolution. Um, but he opined, Credoc narrated this whole interview and then gave his uh, you know expert opinion he says it was impossible to give him as in savarkar any liberty here and i think he would escape from any indian jail so important a leader is he that the european section of the indian anarchists would plot for his escape which would before long be organized if he were allowed outside the cellular jail in the andamans his escape would be certain his friends could easily charter a steamer to lie off one of the islands and a little money distributed locally would do the rest. Uh, in his case, the punitive 
requirements would have been satisfied after a few years of hard labor and the remainder of his term would not be of the nature of a punishment for his crime but of mere incarceration because he would be dangerous to the community outside so this was a british officer writing and this is what from the archives i've quoted so very selectively you bring credock you write about the petition that savarkar gave to credock but you don't write what credock thought of the meeting uh, you know and that is i don't know how many uh, journalist friends are sitting and cross checking these sources and asking what was the other side of the story to these so it needed three people of the same family to sit and write this uh, article the, the the article is full of half lies and uh, you know the uh, so the the other thing you know where they say which is again i'll just for the sake of putting the record they they say that um, uh the jeevanlal kapoor commission uh, that was set up after savarkar's death two of his close associates who had not testified at the trial ap kasar and gv damle appa kasar and gajanand damle spoke up before the kapoor commission and corroborated the approvers statements it is possible that if they had testified at the trial savarkar would have been proven guilty this is what these three people say now which is a complete lie uh, i mean i would uh, you know appeal all the listeners of your podcast kushal that the kapoor commission report is available online uh, if you just yeah. google it, it will be available online there were 101 witnesses that the kapoor commission uh, questioned nowhere were appa kasar and gajanand damle called even though they were alive this is a very curious case which i actually Uh, document in my second volume now how these three people make such a false claim that they spoke up before the kapoor commission and corroborated the approver statements how can you make such a uh, loose claim about a, a judicial uh, probe uh, when they were not the the facts don't match up to that among the 101 witnesses can they show me uh, these two three uh, these two people testifying before the commission and curiously had they testified at the trial curiously kushal they were arrested by the bombay police uh, and by nagarwala and they were interrogated by the bombay police they gave a statement in coercion in march 1948 even before the trial started they 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 gave a statement and what was the statement so the entire edifice of the trial against savarkar was that uh, good say apte and this fellow who became the approver digambar badge uh, they met him Uh, and he said in marathi yashasvi hon ya or be successful mm-hmm. and come back and these people um, appa kasar and gajanand damle were also eye witnesses and they said yeah 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 they, they came and we heard him saying um, he blessing them and all of that so the police who arrested them in january end uh, took them and they were probably given third degree torture and made to give this statement in march 1948 but probably the police themselves were not sure of the statement or whether they would be embarrassed the prosecution did not bring these people to the trial though they had their written statement even in the red fort trials that went on for one year these two gentlemen whose uh, testification was what would uh, clinch the case um, to prove the approver badge's statement they were not called by the prosecution as witnesses they were initially there in the list of witnesses if you see the mahatma gandhi trial papers initially mm-hmm. the witnesses were there then a lot of them got deleted because the police thought this is going to be weak witness or they'll be cross questioning me pakde jayenge 
तो वी विल नॉट ब्रिंग दीज टू पीपल सो अप्पा कसार इन गजानन दामले वी जस्ट हैव देयर पुलिस टेस्टिमनी देयर इज नो दे नेवर यू नो टेस्टिफाइड इन कोर्ट ऑन ओथ they were not called again maybe because of the dubious nature of that they were not even called by the kapoor commission but what do three eminent historians write uh, that uh, they had testified and uh, they corroborated everything and uh, maybe and they surmise as legal experts that had they testified during the this one trial then surely he would have been caught now i'm sure the honorable judge has that much knowledge to <laughs> to also which historians have uh, this is a part of legal scrutiny i'm sure the judges have more knowledge than us historians to put this across so where is the uh, cross verification for this how many people i'm asking them openly saying iska proof dikhao iska source dikhao iska page number kahan hai you are uh, false that other gentleman spends 40 years uh, researching a subject and cannot come up across one statement or one sentence who is asking him to show the sources who is asking him to uh, or holding him to ransom or asking him questions about why are you making such false claims what is your agenda so but then you know uh, and despite me making myself available as i said i don't think any other work uh, gets subjected to this kind of scrutiny i've been making myself available only because i don't want these uh, you know thuggish remarks to just get credence and if you cannot discredit uh the work then you start discrediting the uh, the the author uh only for that reason i'm i just pick and choose some crazy nut who's putting some screenshot i'm not answerable to all of that but wherever i feel that this is a very direct attack on uh, sources which is a blatant lie which is an attack on met- my methodology i'm taking all my time and effort to uh, you know uh, uh, put a re- rebuttal with all the sources that i have so i really don't know what more uh, and why this trial of fire why should i uh, have to undergo this yeah and now let's get into it because uh, i'll ask you a few live viewer questions also believe me the very good questions i'm i'm really happy with the questions today also this is a one good thing the level of discourse is increasing because i notice even the questions from our viewers is becoming better and better but i have to ask this i i found it very weird where you know again this is an article in the wire i don't know who wrote it this is rohan desuza mr rohan desuza i mean pseudo historian then somebody from nottingham university says you're not a professional historian so let's just start with this i mean what nonsense is this you have a phd you just were recognized as a you know in the royal society also i, I if i remember correctly i i don't get this i mean what the hell is a professional historian vikram then <laughs> so i mean all the people who keep talking about brahminism brahminical patriarchy and you know elite clubs and uh, all of that are the same ones who make the same cartel that uh, yeah. you know yeah we are the ones who are professional we are in an just because you probably are in an academic setting uh, which i choose not to be uh, and as i said somebody uh, i think put out some this thing saying acha but he has uh, done some history of music uh, and so on now you tell me something i mean you have to do history of something na i mean uh, you have people who write written history books who've done environmental history who've done some social sociology who've done anthropology uh, and they are historians you have to do phd in something now the very title of my thesis is a socio cultural historical 
and musicological analysis of the early recordings of India. Now, historical is there right in its name. Now, uh, obviously, of course, my bachelor's, etc., was in uh, in the sciences, um, but I was not interested in that. And I moved out, and I was lucky that the University of Queensland in Australia, uh, after and by then I had published three books. So they invited me, saying, "You've done so much work, so why don't you um, work towards a PhD?" And my case was put forth before the university. Uh, the government of Australia, the education department, etc., scrutinized the case. They found it meritorious. Uh, and I'm not beating my trumpet here, Kushal, but I think it's necessary that uh, probably the highest number of scholarships that any person in the humanities got in uh, the University of Queensland were given to me in that year. This was 2013, uh, 2012, 2013, when the, my PhD commenced. Um, a decade ago and these were you know the iprs and the apa scholarships which the government of australia gives to very few people then the, the, the there was a history department uh, school of history and philosophy in U, uh, university of queensland where an indian scholar called uh, dp singhal he had uh, you know died making a bequest uh, saying any future indian uh, he was a historian saying any young indian historian who would like to come here and study i would like to uh, make a bequest supporting his um, stay and scholarship and all of that. So the university also decided to give me this third scholarship. Uh, so all these th three things and like any normal PhD, I went through the grind for five long years from 2012 to 2017. And I had two because my, um, you know, my um, uh, thesis was interdisciplinary. It sat both between the history department as well as the music department. Uh, I had two guides, one from the School of Music, one from the School of History. And both of them grilled me. And I had to do multiple defenses uh, to both of them, uh, each of them asking questions from their perspective. Because as I said, it was a socio-cultural, historical, and musicological uh, analysis. So on the historical analysis, the history professor would, uh, you know, grill me on the musical part. Uh, this man would, the, the, the music school uh, supervisor would uh, ask me questions. So that was how this came about. But since one of, you can't have multiple schools awarding a degree to the same person. They, I don't know, in their own consensus, they decided, Achha, let this thesis sit under the school of music. And so that's how that uh, PhD came from the School of Music, but the theme was a historical theme. So you can do a history only of uh, of something which is history of what? You can't do a PhD of, of just history. You have to do history of architecture, history of uh, society, mm -hmm. his, whatever history of the freedom struggle, history of music. So, and quite ironically, this man whom you mentioned, uh, uh, whose article uh, you just quoted, um, who thinks we are... Yeah. Historians, he's actually an environmental historian. So, what is his qualification to actually talk about uh, historiography? He doesn't know what uh, Indian freedom movement uh, and how to analyze that is. Talking about water and uh, all kinds he, of. Things. Just for the record, I think Rohan D'Souza is a professor at the Graduate School of Asian and African Area Studies. Yeah, whatever. I mean, but then he's into environmental history. So, how is he mm. qualified to talk about? Uh, political history and freedom struggle of the early 20th century if I as a historian in the music and actually history department is not qualified to uh, talk about this 
and after receiving all these scholarships after being recognized as you said by the royal historical society or other uh, fellowships if i am being called uh, these pejorative names and this is then quoted by other eminent historians in india uh, whom i mentioned uh, somebody who works in the ashoka university and who's uh, who's a trustee of a foundation which actually long listed um, my book on savarkar uh, for the kamla devi chattopadhyay prize in 2019 uh, so if it was all whatsapp history then i think your jury needs a real rap on their knuckles for actually long listing whatsapp history to your famed prize uh right or he was also part of the jury so what were you doing were you sleeping on the wheels or uh were you <laughs> you know can you be accused of the same thing so anything that doesn't suit you then the best way uh, to do kushal is to call these names sanghi whatsapp this that oh he is not trained oh this is not that and the people who do that are themselves uh, not very uh, i mean kholte uh, jayenge to बात दूर तक निकलेगी अबाउट ईच ईच ऑफ देम एंड देयर ओन डूबियस पास्ट एंड रिकॉर्ड्स आई एम सो टेम्प्टेड एंड रिमाइंडेड ऑफ द वंडरफुल कॉन्वर्सेशन यू हैड विद अनदर हिस्टोरियन हुम आई डीपली एडमायर डॉक्टर मीनाक्षी जैन वेयर शी इन द कॉन्टेक्स्ट ऑफ एंड हर बुक ऑन द बैटल फॉर रामा एंड सो ऑन वेयर शी लेयर बाय लेयर ब्रॉट आउट हाउ द सबटफ्यूज वाज डन यू नो इन द अयोध्या केस बाय वेरी वेरी एमिनेंट हिस्टोरियंस Uh, the senior irfan habib and romila thapar and others who were a part of the uh, i mean they 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 testified as witnesses and how for so many years they actually uh, you know misled the courts misled the the babri masjid committee and kept scuttling the same thing anything that is against their viewpoint the archaeological survey report oh we don't trust it something else oh we don't trust this and that vishnu hari inscription which fell from the masjid uh, which mm-hmm. uh, Habib had so many theories that it was first in someone's private collection. Then he said someone stole it from uh, the Lucknow Museum. And when asked to provide proof, uh, he could not prove anything. And the court actually dismissed that case completely, right? Uh, and so, who, who, Professor uh, Dr. Minakshi Jain asked you also, I think there that who is going to ask questions to these people then? That why did you lie? How could you lie with such impunity? And all their sources were some newspapers. So the same people who are asking me, how can you use a newspaper? <laughs> articles against a whole battery of epigraphical, literary, judicial, uh, archaeological evidence, which the Mandir side had uh, marshaled in their favor. So I don't know. I mean, hypocrisy has to have some limit. Uh, but so blatantly, if in convoluted language, if you uh, you know churn out some trash. it is just assume that everyone is going to buy that yeah i agree with you it's just like uh, the right word i'm looking for uh, you know vikram is this is a peer review cabal now and they <laughs> hate cognitive dissonance and they suffer from a deep my side bias now <laughs> that they you know they, they i don't know it's as if you know if you would have covered anybody else jaise unki sari dukaan hi savarkar pe chalti thi and it is not even that you have given no, you have not shown the bad side of savarkar also you actually have you have shown so many dark sides of savarkar in the book and you are so open about it 
मगर इनका क्या प्रॉब्लम होगी इन्होंने सावरकर को है ना जैसे पता नहीं मोगैम्बो बना दिया था अभी वो मोगैम्बो नहीं निकला वो कोई लो सेल्फ एस्टीम विलन भी नहीं है वो तो एक्चुअली हीरो निकल रहा तो इनको समझ नहीं पड़ रहा करे क्या किसके बाल नोचे एंड देर लाइक ये विक्रम संपत इसने हमारी दुकान खराब कर दी है अभी एक काम करो विक्रम संपत के पीछे पड़ जाते हैं और विक्रम संपत इस समय अकेला है वो संजीव सैन्याल के पढ़ते हैं फिर वो विक्रम आई मीन व्हाट इज दिस वायर आर्टिकल आई नो यू विल नॉट से मैं बोलूंगा व्हाट नॉन वॉज दैट आई मीन पहले दे स्टार्ट विद अटैकिंग संजीव एंड देन दे स्टार्ट अटैकिंग यू एंड मीन वॉट काइंड ऑफ नॉन संजीव तो इकोनॉमिस्ट है ये तो सूडो हिस्टोरियन है और चाचा तू कौन है मैं तो खुला बोल रहा हूँ तुम कौन हो तुम कोई हिस्टोरियन हो मतलब मजाक बना के रख दिया है एंड दिस इज यू नो यू गेट सम एमिनेंट पर्सन टू राइट समथिंग एंड देन यू सर्कुलेटेड एंड देन ट्वेंटी पीपल कोटेड एंड दिस लाइक ऑलमोस्ट वो जो गॉबल्स का स्ट्रेटेजी होती थी कुछ भी बकवास पेलो और चल जाता है एंड बिलीव मी विक्रम बिकॉज आई एम गोना आस्क यू क्वेश्चन यू विल बी सरप्राइज नाउ that all these people who are watching this most probably are jisko bolte na so called on our side and now you will be so pleasantly surprised when i start asking you questions itne acche questions puche hain logon ne you will be like yaar ye apni side ke log hai aur ye fir bhi mere ko tough questions puchte hain aur ek wo log hai jo pata nahi mera naam hi kharab karne ke piche pade hue hain it's actually shocking and it says a lot to me that their entire edifice was based on a lie and do you think that they feel you threaten their entire existence I don't know if I can give myself so much credit, Kushal. I I'm a very low-profile person, so I don't want to have illusions of grandeur to myself. But uh, so, bar bar, you know, even on this thing, I keep getting told that you know, peer review, peer review, etc. Before the books were published, uh, you know, first of all, they should understand that academic publishing and trade publishing are two things. Uh, you know, in in trade publishing. so academic publishing kya hota hai sage or oup and all these routledge which are academic books they have the normal uh, process of peer review now my thesis is actually becoming a book uh, from routledge in london and we had a very very vigorous it took 6 months i'm still uh, you know getting over the peer review process of questions and all of that whereas a normal i mean penguin or harper and rupa and all these other you know who are publishing books in india for trade they're not necessarily academic uh, books it can be scholarly work but it is it's a different uh, genre there there is no uh, system of peer review and whom do you peer review it with the same people who will uh, say things like this i'm i'm shocked that these three modern indian historians whose books we all read uh, uh, growing up and whose books are prescribed for uh, uh, upsc and all these courses can in a small article make so many lies like i pointed out on that uh, um, kapoor commission or credoc and all these episodes so they are going to peer review me so i think um, so so despite that you know just before the book both the manuscripts um, you know were ready i had sent it for uh, a, a, a review by many 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 scholars uh, which included professor faisal dev ji um, Uh, professor francis robinson uh, and professor sugata bose uh, curiously the who's not necessarily you know very close to the bjp he's more aligned towards though he's in harvard he's with has you know uh, sympathies to the tmc and also other scholars uh, be it uh, people who are opposed to the ideology of savarkar like a jairam ramesh uh, or professor makrand paranjpe dr meenakshi jain all of them read uh, professor sardindu mukherjee all these people sardindu mukherjee is a 
modern Indian historian from and was has been in the ICHR. So he's gone through the uh, manuscripts and they've given. So the both the volume starts with several pages of them, uh, you know, um, saying their views. Professor Lavanya Vemsani, uh, who's the chair of history at Ohio University in the US. Mm -hmm. So all these people, I mean, what 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 do their views? I mean, a trade trade publishing book generally doesn't come with so many um, endorsements. Now, none of them, they're all very uh, reputed historians. They will not give their name to a shoddy work uh, unless they want to spoil their reputation. So all of them have done that by going through it. Many of them took uh, several months to go through the manuscript. Uh, some of them suggested some mistakes. Lord Meghna Desai, uh, people like him who pointed out to me so many errors, which probably even my PhD supervisor, I in fact told him that if my PhD supervisor was as diligent as you, I would have probably finished my uh, thesis much faster. So all these people have gone through it, given their uh, suggestions, and then things have uh, come out. So what are you talking about? And this whole peer review cabal, I think I sh it, it, uh, there was this, I think your re uh, viewers should know, there was this, uh, they can Google, there was this thing called um, the Sokal's hoax. Uh, you know, there was yeah. a man called Prof <laughs> Professor Alan Sokal. Alan Sokal, who in 1966, he was a physicist, I think quantum physicist or something. And he uh, generally to test the efficacy of uh, peer reviews in the liberal arts and humanities. In 1966, he just submitted some article. It was called Transgressing the Boundaries Towards the Transformative Hermeneutics of Quantum Gravity. <laughs> so it was, uh, and he himself writes that, I'll, I'll just quote him. Throughout the article, I employ scientific and mathematical concepts in ways that few scientists or mathematicians would take seriously. Um, so, the so full of you know a lot of jargons and this that he used, and then he sent this to this journal, very reputed journal called Social Text, and he then made uh, Social Text just by seeing all these jargons. And the final this one was, I think. Um, quantum physics uh, is also powered by Marxism or something, some such uh, weird assertion he made at the end of it by A quoting B, B quoting A, then circular references, all these things. And this particular piece actually, you know, came up, it got published in social text. And later on, uh, this um, Sokal um, brought out another thing, actually castigating these uh, fellows, very reputed scholars in the humanities saying, my whole piece was a spoof. It was full of only jargons. It had no argument, but you peer reviewed it and actually got it published. And this was, okay, someone can say in 1966, it happened. In 2009, so there are several, uh, you know, um, uh, it's called the Sokal Squared Scandals. So people can just Google and see these things. So several others, uh, you know, like James Lindsay, Peter Bogosian and Helen Pluckrose, they initiated a project to create bogus academic papers on cultural, queer, race, gender, sexuality studies. And then they started submitting it to different academic journals. So their uh, thing was also to expose the that what is the Dabba goal of this whole uh, thing. So, uh, of course, the hoax got caught out in 2019. They had started it, I think, in 2017. But by then, four of those 20 papers had already been published. Three had been accepted but not yet published. Six had been rejected and seven were still under review. All these, so this is just two, three years ago. 
so this whole edifice as if peer review is that uh, sita ka agni pariksha through which if you pass then no scholar can raise their hand against you uh, i think that it's constantly being challenged all the time so this whole thing that we are the professional historians so it is classic you know one on one of gatekeeping that i will create this uh, kabal and i'm very glad these articles are coming because that is exactly what i told in that india today conclave which said the cat among the pigeons i said you know there is a there is a clique of you scratch my back i scratch your back kind of people uh, so obviously if i have to get peer reviewed by you i cannot have a very uh, opposing view point of your fundamental you know uh, ideological tenet right then you are not going to give me credence for my work so many people you know them kushal many contemporary historians who are in the university uh, system are scared to speak out uh, only because they will lose their jobs even to this day uh, that I know. you know you cannot you cannot get out they may publish books uh, which are different but in in the presence of these eminences they cannot go against them or speak against them they have to be beholden to their brilliance because then ye nahi hoga you will not get those uh, you know recommendations uh, peer reviews so if this is what is pejoratively called as brahminism by most people what else is where anybody who's outside the system is called names uh, only because i think that the problem is that they they like iska kya chhinenge hum because i i don't depend on them for my livelihood i don't depend on them for uh, for anything for uh, the acclaim or recognition so uh, the best form best offense is the best form of defense so you stoop to the lowest level of name calling and other things and discredit and do all of this which is fine i think as i said by doing all this they're proving what i said there that you are not in a discipline like this which thrives on dissent which thrives on differences of opinion which thrives on varying viewpoints and contested narratives you are creating a monochromatic hegemony where nobody else is allowed to speak and only one viewpoint is being uh, marshaled and anybody who comes outside is abused so badly and slandered so badly that wo dar ke bhag jayega koi bhi ki are baap re this is uh, a den of snakes so to uh, so your title thekedar i think it's very aptly put that this is this clique and each article each accusation is i'm actually very thankful to them uh, that they are proving my point themselves i don't have to do anything now anymore i can just show each of this see dekho i mean what else is this so uh, it 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 becomes very 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 uh, easy to prove i don't know uh, i don't know where you know a noted historian like say ramchandra guha would fit for many of these people because uh, he is also not done a phd in history per se and then you know not a tenured professor and so on in with any particular he is a visiting faculty in many uh, universities so i don't know i mean we are the professors we are the uh, gatekeepers we are the authority anybody else who comes and challenges us uh, we will call them names and since we have some friendly media we will get it published and then keep on trolling another person on social media and saying jawab do jawab do and so on i mean if you are jobless and you want some entertainment in life please be my guest but then the truth and the records also i think need to be placed on uh, you know the facts need to be placed on record 
just just to add to your bit to the grievance study hoax one of the papers was oh, i still crack up whenever i time i think about it. it was on the research on rape culture among the dogs at portland dog parks <laughs> just wait no no so these three accepted papers papers i'm reading from box.com these three accepted papers contain made up research like 10000 hours of fake observation of dogs humping other dogs at dog parks they are also filled with sentences like quote because of my own situatedness as a human rather than as a dog i recognize my limitations in being able to determine when an incidence of dog humping qualifies as rape <laughs> ये हाल है हमारे एकेडमिया की ये चीजें ये चीजें तो पास होती है बट विक्रम आई 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 है चैलेंज यू बाई द वे ऑल दीज पीपल हु आर वॉचिंग दिस दे आर योर रियल चैलेंजेस नॉट दो सो कॉल्ड अकेडमिशियंस बिकॉज दे हैव आज सच गुड क्वेश्चन इम्प्रेस्ड Yeah. So we'll start. I, I'll not take the names of the questioners per se, but I'll ask you questions. So this is about in the start when we are talking about Netaji. So somebody has asked a query: Could it be that Netaji praised Savarkar for being a revolutionary, but wasn't he against Hindu Mahasabha and had called it a communal organization and equated it with the Muslim League? Is there any truth to it? Yeah, yeah, it is true. It is true. I mean, he's right. Said- Yeah, it is. He said that several times that Jinnah and Savarkar he actually makes equivalences and so on. But that was, I mean, that was in his, uh, I mean, nineteen forty one, forty two, when he had just formed the INA. Uh, probably even before meeting uh, Rash Bihari Bose. And Rash Bihari Bose, the founder of the INA, was such a ardent uh, fan of Savarkar. He'd written so. He called him the uh, rising leader of New India and in this Dai Ajia Shugi, the Jap- Japanese newspaper, and all of that. so probably netaji's uh, you know views also kept changing as in when new facts emerged when he was in india he probably had a certain view of savarkar but for all those who say who quote there are some two instances where netaji has something critical to say of savarkar one is he says the, he, these people don't even understand the problem or something both jina and savarkar he equates but for everybody who quotes uh, him being critical of savarkar as if that is the uh, you know yardstick there are 100 uh, articles that netaji wrote where he was so critical of gandhi so hmm. what are we to make of that uh, that he and he actually got thrown out of the congress despite being uh, formally elected uh, and so he hmm. had a but even during his early times if you read the the indian struggle the two volumes of that constantly he was so critical of everything that gandhi did including when he was going to what he did at the round table conference and all of that that he just he has no sense of real politics he just thinks saintliness will get us freedom and all these type of things so he was a thinking man he wrote many things about many people uh, so picking and choosing something here something there without context and building a case i think that's a straw man's argument all right these two are brilliant questions i'm clubbing them together i'll read them so someone has said as a historian when referring to past news reports how do you academically account for and weigh the bias exaggeration of the reporter itself in the article and then somebody asked a follow up question looking at that i guess how do we deal with the bias in newspaper archives if today's new york times and washington post will be sources 100 years from now modi will be remembered as a fascist this is a very good question vikram yeah excellent excellent actually 
so yeah sometimes you know they were they were colonial newspapers they were also what would be called as vernacular um, in indian languages so if at all you know like that incident I, i i actually searched a lot for english newspapers of the time for that lokmanya equivalent of 27 june but i didn't find any uh, there was just mention in the bombay chronicle and all these other papers about this visit to bombay but these meeting uh, the, these messages there were there was another newspaper which said there were messages from nehru raja ji uh, bose and others but what the messages were they did not give so just like today i mean some newspapers give a detailed report some newspapers give probably a average report depending on how important the editor feels the news is but on the bias that's a fantastic question but which uh, there's no uh, there's no one answer to that it case by case you probably look at other uh, sources uh, other newspapers as i said in other languages if at all available um, and see what the tone is uh, you know uh, and largely if it is just reportage which is mentioning the occurrence of an event like savarkar came to bombay on 27th or whatever whenever of june 1937 and he addressed this that that and so and so's uh, messages were read out that's different from an op- op-ed column or something that someone has written then probably one goes deeper into seeing what the motive is who the writer is was he uh, on the nationalist uh, freedom struggle side or was the person on the colonial government side and then decide how much to take or can you put all the things together and have a healthy that that's something i do kushal where i i multiple viewpoints i just place it and express my apprehension that you know this is what is is available uh, we can't make a specific a uh, 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 conclusive um, you know assessment on the basis of the available sources as of today if something new comes up maybe we can corroborate but with this this is where we stand so i think that is what we need to do with newspapers so so uh, 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 you can just give me a yes or no answer here so let's say we had a newspaper report in the past so for example i'll use the current parlance so let's say there was newspaper x uh, let's say the wire and then maybe the same thing was reported in swaraj so a historian would look at a wire and swaraj and maybe the truth lies in the middle yeah yeah and then they'll decide whether i'm a professional historian or a pseudo whatsapp <laughs> All right. This is a question. I think this must be a student or something, Vikram. He he has asked, Doctor Sampath, could you could you highlight uh, your process of historical research in a uh, just in a basic way? How do you go about unearthing primary sources when you study a subject? Ha! Huh. So <laughs> there is again no fixed uh, path. So uh, so a host of things. So primary sources for a person like. savarkar so primary sources someone who's more recent uh, um, you know in the recent uh, history uh, primary sources would be you know his own writings or uh, letters and all of that and newspaper archives and all of that and books on him written by other people would be secondary sources one would lead to another and all the time you need to triangulate uh, where the same incident or the same episode from multiple sources uh if it is a contested uh, thing if it is available everything you cannot triangulate uh, as we pointed out during that shaukat ali meeting and all that so if if shaukat ali has not made, kept a record of it in his diary 
there's no way anybody can triangulate uh, but if only there's one this thing so express your healthy or cautious uh, skepticism about uh, the 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 subject but if you're going way back into the um, historiography then maybe you know they 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 to their multiple sources whether it is epigraphic or judicial records in, in here i mean judicial records are something that i it's ex extensively used for both volumes uh, in volume 1 all the trial papers from london 20000 pages of uh, documents from the british library in london and for the second volume 11100 pages only of the gandhi trial papers and another 5000 6000 pages of um, the kapoor commission report uh, which were which had to be sieved through so earlier history medieval ancient you'll have to go to literary sources you'll have to have knowledge of the languages of the time whether it is whatever it's written in sanskrit prakrit pali uh, and then also do source verification how verifiable or um, accurate is the source uh, is it uh, is it credible and then see are there contestations to that source just because someone's written on a medieval king or something so are there other accounts or written inscriptions epigraphic uh, numismatic uh, sources so i think it's a archaeological evidences so all of that need to be used in conjunction to for the historian to sieve together a, a story or a narrative so luckily in this case i didn't have to go to epigraphic and numismatic and all that it was more of literary so uh, judicial records primary sources as i mentioned and uh, and most importantly a lot of i think indian historians uh, undermine or underplay the value of uh, regional literature uh, you know in in indian languages so if you are writing a biography of gandhi ji his original in gujarati has to be read similarly savarkar marathi uh, things have to be um, you know um, read and understood so knowledge multiplicity of knowledge of ma many languages is also very important for a historian to have hmm. so i'm going to mix two three questions here because they're all about savarkar so i'll read one and then i'll ask you follow So somebody has asked Dr. Sampath, your work on Savarkar is phenomenal. You have written on others as well. Why do you think these particular books received a huge pushback and dishonest criticism from usual suspects? And then somebody has piled up again on the Savarkar thing. That is it because Savarkar was part of the Hindu Mahasabha, and that just is that means that Savarkar is equal to BJP. BJP is someone I hate politically. So you basically. dehumanize yeah. the bjp and savarkar uh, uh, do you think that all these things are interconnected and that's why you're receiving all so much pushback yes 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 very very truly so all right cool 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 so let me see let me see this is a very specific question uh, so somebody has said uh, what does dr sampath make of the claim that there actually aren't proper sources about ahom south india etc and that's why they aren't accepted irfan habib saab claimed it on a podcast with dr sampath <laughs> Irfan Habib Saab also said uh, in all of Sanskrit literature, there is not a, not even a single uh, line in praise of uh, the motherland. And apparently, uh, the first time we anyway had, we even got the idea that uh, our motherland was worthy of worship was courtesy Amir Khusro. And uh, so the they not only invaded us and attacked us, they also taught us how to respect our motherland. So <laughs> it's still, you know, a healthy departure from the fact that the British gave us the idea of nationhood and all is what we were always taught. 
now that envelope has been pushed back to Amir Khusro in 12th, 13th century. Maybe we'll go back to ancient India also. So, uh, so sources are there. Uh, it's just that what you want to see. Like, uh, like I mentioned about that Bhagat Singh uh, episode. Uh, sources will be there for everything. But what sources? What sources will you verify? How much of oral history would you account for? Uh, folklore. Uh, you can't uh, belittle that. Of course, you need to use your uh, your... Uh, you know, subjectivity comes in there as to how much of it you will, uh, you know, use and how much you will not. Uh, but then it's an important part, especially when, you know, during the, our long history of invasions and attacks and all of that, when most of our knowledge systems or libraries were burnt, our uh, uh, education systems were destroyed. So we lost out a lot. But whatever is there also, the I think we wrote so copiously. Uh, millions and millions in uh, of the manuscripts that are there, which have still not actually been translated or digitized. It's all lying in the government has some national manuscript mission and all that, which I don't think is doing a great job at all. So uh, if you search for it, you will find uh, about the cholas and all that. You have enough in the Tamil literature, but yeah, you need to be conversant in Tamil. If you If you say there are no sources in English, or the language you want it in, maybe it's not there. But if you go to the sources that are there, and a lot of it is the way we narrated history is so different. I mean, our uh, term for history, curiously, is Itihasa, which is also a collection of, say, the Puranas and Mahabharata and Ramayana, mm. of which uh, it's a mix of, um, you know, folk, uh, I mean, mythology and facts, all of it partly mixed. So, how much, how to extract that. It's a very unique Indian approach to knowledge creation. Uh, now, we've always said that the, you know, the Sulpa Sutras uh, have the Pythagoras theorem. Now, if you actually go to the Sulpa Sutras or all of what is termed as Vedic mathematics, it will not be like an algebra book that we read in school, um, you know, and it, A square equal to B square plus C square. It's not going to be written like that, the Pythagoras theorem. It will be in a poetry form in the Sulpa Sutras. So from that, how do you extract knowledge for contemporary, uh, you know, um, relevance? Therein comes the skill of a trained historian. So that's what they need to do. And that is a specific skill, uh, someone who's actually trained in understanding that language. So which is what baffles me that people who don't even have working knowledge of, say, Sanskrit or Prakrit or Pali, Tamil or all the classical languages, how do they become experts of ancient Indian history then? You know, because they are relying on translations. Now, Vedic Sanskrit, uh, one word can have some four or five meanings. It's so complicated and you need to get to the context of what it is uh, and we rely on their translations by some German, uh, you know, Max Müller, Witzel and all, all these others who came and had these Indolo Indology books. Now, they could not understand or fathom that one word meant many things. You have to sit in the context of many things. So someone who is probably a Vedic scholar, who is a Sanskrit scholar, will have to decode that. Everything needs to be gone into that element of detail. If you don't go that, go into that, then you can create a narrative according to what suits you. Fair enough. La last set of questions and then we'll wrap it up, Vikram. So this is on the peer review one. So, you know, how does one validate, you know, 
create any source of surety and validity you know when it comes to arts and social studies because obviously double blind is impossible in these kinds of things so that is an inherent problem so is there a solution and you also mentioned about manuscript keeping in india so someone had also you know mentioned this how do we revive you know the school of historiography as a counter intellectual movement to marxist history specifically in the indian count uh, you know context so do we need some alternatives to ichr or create new historians and these are the last two questions and then we can wrap it up yeah no i think that's very important that's that is needed uh, and i think there are some uh, you know like the the bandarkar oriental research institute in um, pune does such fabulous work uh, with you know scholars of vedic sanskrit you know the entire vedic literature what it means the published compendiums and compendiums on all of that on the puranic literature translations and this thing but these don't get mainstreamed um, and they don't enter into popular popular you know narratives and so i think there is an urgent need to create no uh, this whole thing right wing left wing i don't think in the indian context you can have such thing i think you have you need to have a bhartiya wing you know where it's a uh, uh, which talks about india without the lens of all these uh, theorized formats which um, the general you know the, the liberal arts um, uh, requires you to do in a western uh, context the indian you know the pramanas system of or literary theories were very different from the uh, western liberal arts uh, kind of theories gramsci and critical theory and all those other freud and everything that is used is very different from how we saw so we have a very unique approach that much is sure on everything we have a unique approach to life to religion to uh, to um, to 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 multiplicity and everything right so even in the production of knowledge uh india has a very unique system so i think we need to recognize that and uh, revive that i wish the governments do something about it but as far as they don't do it's up to individuals it's up to civil society it's up, up to corporate india to probably pick this up as an important if they think it's important uh the civilizational yeah like this article wondered what is civilizational greatness i'm so sorry that you can't even understand what it means to highlight uh, your civilization's achievements um if that that needs to come out then and if someone thinks it is uh, it is important then uh, they need to actively sponsor such scholarship and you know revive the space all right so so obviously somebody had asked what is your next project so we had already discussed this in the last project you know podcast you had mentioned you're working on tipu sultan uh, i think your is your next project bahut maza aane wala hai when you write your books on tipu <laughs> i can't wait wait for I'm that actually, so we we'll I'm, i'm actually learning you know from the last one year i started learning persian uh, with a teacher here in bangalore itself because tipu's records would be in persian so i don't want to rely on on uh, translated works so to be able to access of course i uh, can't uh, i can now manage to read the thing but still i'll need a dictionary or whatever to actually decode each word of what those farmans meant and so on to actually ensure that i don't rely on um on uh, translated source actually primary source directly uh, talking to me yeah 
Now, that's what you call a real historian and a professional historian. In case somebody wonders what a professional historian does, this guy who's talking to me, that's what you do. So, Vikram, as always, thanks a lot for coming on the podcast. Uh, it's, it's an honor and a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, guys, we'll wrap today's discussion up. But before we wrap it up, just a few comments on this issue. Look, when, when Vikram and I were discussing, I told Vikram, you know, you know, I'll ask you all the allegations. Are you fine with it? And he did not even flinch once. He said, please ask me everything under the sun, but it has to make sense. And I hope I tried to make the best out of it. And I, I want to comment on this. You know, there is this trend in the left. They don't like anything that creates cognitive dissonance in their so-called hated characters. It is very convenient to hate Savarkar. But then here comes a man who writes 1100 pages and has like 400, 500 pages of footnotes and bibliography to make his point. And then it creates dissonance. Oh my God, did Savarkar actually say this? What am I going to do now? What? Savarkar actually had a written constitution in the Hindu Mahasabha and the Hindu constitution said this or that. What am I going to do now? How can I hate him? It was so convenient to hate that person. So as the old adage goes, if you can't dazzle them with brilliance, you baffle them with bullshit. And that's been the art form of the left for a long time. And you know, their time is over. And before we close today's discussion, I insist each and every one of you, the link to Vikram's books is in the description of the podcast. You don't owe it to Vikram. You owe it to the, uh, you know, the subject of history. You owe it to Savarkar. You owe it to the truth. Each and every one of you should go and buy this book. Once you buy this book, it is two of them, volume one and volume two. You should form book reading clubs. Form book reading clubs and discuss the book. You know what happens when you discuss a book and you read it together? You actually get more out of it. So please go and do this. I'll end today's podcast. Once again, I tried to ask as many questions as I could because, you know, it is already an hour and 40 minutes. Please watch this video and share it with as many people as possible. Subscribe to the channel, like the video, support the podcast, either by becoming a member on YouTube or on Patreon or through UPI or by buying the merch. I will be back again with another interesting discussion. Until then, take care. Goodbye. See you next time.